You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, independent, listener-supported radio. I'm back, back in the New York Brian. Scott. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy thanks. Happy post-Thanksgiving yes. to you. Belated Thanksgiving. <laughs> happy after Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> Some of our fans may think this is before Thanksgiving because I released our podcast with no audio this week. Right. <laughs> apparently. But I did I did fix that. Oh good. Yeah. I'm sure all the angry fans uh you've been receiving their emails and letters and <laughs> Yes. I'm suspecting that people are not subscribing rating listening and commenting brian smashing that subscribe button yeah i just feel like we didn't get a lot of feedback because not enough people have subscribed right so subscribe everybody subscribe because you know you you, then you'll notice when the podcast comes out and there's no audio (laughs) (laughs) and someone will notice so that'll be good yeah (laughs) yeah yeah but we're post thanksgiving how was your thanksgiving joyous i hope i was interesting uh, on th- so we were supposed to go to my in-laws' house, and on Thanksgiving morning, we received word that my father-in-law had tested positive for HIV. I'm assuming. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it put a put a little bit of a damper on Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's tough. Send a little bit of a curveball our way. <laughs> no, I'm assuming you mean for the coronavirus. Yes, uh, yes, it's going around. It's, I've heard. Yeah, it's going around. <laughs> uh, but now I don't even know if it if it's true because he got uh, retested because my mother in law didn't get it, which you know it's a bit of a red flag, right? Because how do they live together? This highly contagious thing, and and she not get it, so. Uh, he got retested today and and tested negative. So now he has to get an antibody test to make sure that uh, it was uh, for real. It was or it wasn't a false positive. But anyway, I think my point is is that we ended up having Thanksgiving with just my wife and my daughter and I. And I gotta tell you, I loved it. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. It's good. It is nice to not have anybody else. Um, there's something. It's it is. There's a melancholiness to it, though. It feels weird. Yeah, to just do it on your own. It feels. Did you go all out then? Did you have with big meal? Did you or did you simplify the meal? Like, how did you? No, we went all out and we had a huge meal. Uh, you know, my wife is she. She'll take Thanksgiving seriously. So we had some backup plans just in case. Um, and it, it ended up being good. And I agree with you. It is sort of melancholy. I I just told and I'll tell you what I said to my wife is that i just think this should be like the the solo thanksgiving should just be in the rotation we don't have to do it every year but you know like some years we go to my in-laws house some years we go to my parents house and i just think in the mix right should maybe be... every four years like the olympics right like an olympic year yeah it's no one no one else is there just a world cup right yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it does feel weird to make a giant meal for just you and your wife and kids Yes, uh, but we did the same. I wasn't gonna get. I just was not gonna get cheated out of th- a proper Thanksgiving dinner. Um, so even if I had to prepare it myself, I was going to do that. Um, I will say to my shame, I feel like I dried the turkey out a little bit, oh. and it, I was only angry about it because of this annual tradition. Now, if you're a Twitter user, that you get all these 
crazies coming out of the woodwork with the anti-turkey takes and it's dry and you know and i was always like yeah it can be dry if you kind of screw it up you know and then i was one of those people and i had kind of a dry disappointing turkey that then just becomes like a vehicle for eating other stuff so you, you know you put the stuffing oh. on there you put the cranberry sauce the gravy by the end of the day you still got a delicious thing on your plate but the bird itself wasn't what it could be but it, then that's actually that is the kind of the, the good side of the solo thanksgiving is i was really the only person who cared about that my kids don't really care right <laughs> my wife doesn't care about food that much so i was the only person disappointed I mean, even when you have other people that are, are, you know, you're probably the cook is usually it's his own, his or her own worst critic. That's true. You know, that's a good point. Um, but so, at least I, mean, yeah, I didn't have like my grandmother sitting there like judging me or right. which would be weird because she's dead. So that would be an unusual, <laughs> that would be strange. Well, you were just talking last week about how, how surprised she'd be if that you were the one who, t who cooked the Thanksgiving bird. No. Yes, no, you're right. I did. I joked on Instagram that I made the stuffing, and it was it's my grandmother's famous recipe. And I can only imagine my grandmother finding out that I'm preparing the Thanksgiving stuffing that she would she would could only assume that everyone else in the family must be dead because <laughs> I, I can't like I can't conceive of my grandmother like that any scenario where I would be manning the oven. You know, like you just she's from that world when it was like your grandmother cooked everybody's food um so it was fun it's funny to think of her being like brian made the stuffing. <laughs> there was no one else who could make a thanksgiving stuffing other than brian <laughs> has something terrible gone wrong it's like well there is a global pandemic right in this case this year she'd be correct she'd yes be right yes something <laughs> terrible has happened um but yeah um you know, and I do feel like COVID now, I mean, we're all entering this like horrible COVID winter. Like we tried to turn the page immediately on Thanksgiving right into Christmas mode. Yeah. And so we were trying to go on this train ride that was like a Santa themed train ride. And, oh. you know, it was like you, you take a, it's like this old timey train and then you, you take it to a destination and then Santa's there and he gives you something and the oh, kids go cool. home having a good time but we as soon as we got on this thing i was like oh god this is like the COVID express it was like a packed train and you know people people were masked up but it was like you know people were talking yelling it was like pretty crowded suddenly i felt in a box of virus you know You're right <laughs> so, so we got the hell out of there we were like let's get out of here so you um, didn't even make it to the north pole no, we didn't ride the train, and the oh. kids were devastated. Oh, and we're like, why? You know, Nate was crying, and we were like, it's you're gonna die in this train. No, <laughs> let me tell you something. Good for you. All right, good for you. Yeah, you, I was just like looking around, like, no, this is a bad idea. Right, right. Yeah. And if more people do that, maybe we can contain this thing. Because right. I just the the whole mindset of. I will not allow COVID to disrupt my life. Yeah. Like that's not, that's not a symbol of toughness. That's just a symbol of stupidity. Yeah. Yeah. No. And it was just, it has suddenly had, I realized I'm in a setting that's like got all the things that you don't want, you know, it was yeah. inside people are talking, chatting. There was like not real distancing. And there's a lot of stuff too, where people are like saying it's socially distanced when it's not, you know, and you're just like, I don't think you guys know what it actually means. Like, 
Right. Nor do I think that people understand what six feet looks like. Like I'm under right. six feet, which is sort of the bane of my existence in a lot of ways. And I look at these markings on the floor that are supposed to be six feet apart, and I'm just positive if I laid down, there's no way this is longer than my body, and I'm not six yeah. feet tall. No, you're right. I know. And and just that, you know, it, it, there's one thing about the mask, the mask, and when you're indoors, like they work, but it's not like foolproof. And I didn't have like a, I had just a cloth mask. I didn't have like an N95, whatever. So it, the risks are pretty high in that setting. So anyway. Um, so anyway, coronavirus has already ruined Christmas. And as we're heading into this kind of rough winter, I think we're all starting to see both in the world of sports, both in the professional football and college football, that we're headed, we're kind of editing, entering this sort of ludicrous, the ludicrous phase of sports and the coronavirus, where we now come so far that everybody is just like, we have to do this, and like, it seemingly nothing will deter these football seasons from finishing. Nothing. As a matter of fact, this weekend, Ohio State, from what I understand, is prepared to take 20 coach buses from Columbus to East Lansing. Uh, so it's talking to speak of the COVID express, right? 20 coach buses from Columbus to East Lansing uh, without their head coach. The head coach of the, of the Ohio state football team will be on none of the 20 buses, right. not because he's taking a plane, just because he cannot coach the game because he yeah. himself has the coronavirus. Right. Um, there was some talk that actually Urban Meyer might coach the game. Well, that would be interesting. <laughs> that would be interesting. <laughs> I think people forget, too, because, you know, coaches, they retire, they come back, they retire, they come back. He had a pretty serious thing. Like, he's got something in his brain. Right. Where well, Is might... it, like, stress-related or something? Or, yes. Like, an or... <laughs> yeah. 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 And, you know, he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who's just going to casually take the field with the team and be like, listen, whatever, it's not really my team. So, whatever the outcome is, I can live with it. Like, I don't right. think that's going to be his mindset. Right. He's still probably, he seems like a fairly competitive fellow. Yeah, where... he... <laughs> He's intense. <laughs> so, but, you know, they had to, they had to not play uh, last week against Maryland, I believe. And they and they pretty much have to they can't they have to play without their head coach because they can't miss another game this year because if they miss another game this year they're not going to be they're not going to have played enough games to be eligible to play in the Big Ten championship game and if they don't play in the Big Ten championship game then uh, you know it's very likely they could end the regular season with six games so even if they're six and zero let's say they're six and zero and let's say Notre Dame loses to Clemson in the ACC championship game, Notre Dame will be 11 and one. So they'll have literally played double the number of games Ohio state has played come uh, playoff time. And then that throws right. all kinds of wackiness into the mix. Uh, but it's just crazy. It's just like, what is everybody doing? Yeah. I mean, I think college is the most insane. Like people are starting yeah. to criticize the NFL and for good reason. It started it's clearly getting out of control. They had to, postpone this Raven Steelers game like six times and you know that Broncos had to take the field without a quarterback no nope. uh, but the but at least the NFL like you're talking about professional athletes who are being paid for their labor who are represented by a union who have negotiated these protocols and you know it's a billions and billions of dollars at stake and they have all as men decided to kind of go on with this like college football 
just seems absurd, especially at this point. Like, you know, they like the the argument that the only argument I ever heard that sort of made sense was like was the guys in their draft position, you know, and and you know when Joe Burrow had said if he didn't play last year he wouldn't have been the number one pick. I that was sort of moved by that. Like I can understand that these guys do have a lot on the line, but like that's kind of taken care of. Look, you've played enough football. Scouts have seen everybody, and I, it's one thing I guess the teams at least who who have who a shot at the playoffs where that is real money. There's big money on the, on the table, but a lot of these teams, you know, you are like, what are you still doing out there? (laughs) Like you're two and six and you're, you're like, just it's over. Shut it down. And like, we'll see you next year. You know I mean? It's just like gotten that ridiculous. Yeah. And I, and I did, I had the same reaction to Joe Burrow's statement as you did, but he is very much the exception and not the rule. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about there's probably like three or four guys a year who do make a jump like that. Yeah. Though it does affect, right? There's guys who go from like a third rounder to a first round, like, and and there's right. real money on the table. Like, I get that. Yeah. But that is now gone. Like, that's you've done that. Like, you've they've played enough games that people have seen all these guys. Like, there's the tape is out there. They've been evaluated. Like, their stock, their draft stock is secure at this point. For sure. For sure. That has been – and there's actually uh, – I think the starting left tackle at Texas has now just opted out of the rest of the season, basically. Yeah, I'm surprised you're not seeing a ton of that. Like, yeah. And I know they have seen some bowl games canceled, you know, which makes a lot of sense. They're not playing the pinstripe bowl this year. I mean, right. like, I can't even believe they were considering it, you know. Um, so that – you're starting to see that. I think you'll see that really probably cascade as we get closer to bowl season. Um, yeah, it has to. And also, I think – one of the big things with college, because I actually was just, you know, kind of flipping around the other day and came across a college basketball game. And I think kind of generally also college sports, you know, obviously fans are a big part of any viewing experience of any any sport. But I find it far less distracting with the professional sports because these guys are so much more skilled. You know, you think like they're all really good players, Division One. They're all on TV, so they must be good. But I mean, it is a different level. And NFL games, the quality of play—you miss the fans, you miss the atmosphere, but the quality of play is enough. And same with the NBA. But if you're just watching, I mean, even I love watching Ohio State, but you know they're gonna play Michigan State this week. Michigan State stinks. Right. And when the when the quality of play on the field is just sort of okay and you have no fans so there's no juice and there's no just atmosphere to the game it is what am i watching here why are we doing this <laughs> yeah. yeah why is this on tv <laughs> i know it's just to fill up hours and uh you know whatever sell ads i look i know understand it's real money on this it's you know people you know i hate when people are like it's just money it's like well it's billions of dollars you know like that's not <laughs> <laughs> like, um but at this point, it is seeming insane. Yeah. Well, I, you know, it's going to be kind of funny if we get through all this and we play, especially, again, especially in college, a bunch of meaningless games get played. And then the the part that everybody is looking forward to all year is the part that we don't get to see. Right. That has to get canceled. The playoffs. Yeah. 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 But it seems like it could happen. So I don't know. I mean, I, I frankly... At least in the, in college football, I'd be okay with it because I really think that Ohio State is on track for a pretty humiliating end to the season. Oh, really? You you think they're they get handed in the uh, 
Yeah, in the playoff, I do. I think the Big Ten's really bad this year, and I, I don't think Ohio State's that good. I mean, I think Justin Fields is really awesome. I think he's better than people thought even coming into the season, to be honest. But I think it's a, a weak squad around him. I mean, our starting running back is Master Teague. Uh, <laughs> that's, you know, he's not very good. You know, we have one really good receiver, but it's not usually the stable that we've got out there. And our defense is really not what it's been the last couple of years. Like, it's pretty crazy. Ohio State has had, I don't know, I guess it would have to be over the last maybe seven or so years, we've had either a Bosa brother or Chase Young on the team. Yeah, there's always been some stud. Yeah, yeah. some incredible pass rusher. And the secondaries yeah. have always just been loaded. And we're just, like, not that great on the defensive side of the ball this year. So I'm actually real nervous about postseason play and getting embarrassed. It's funny, too, because it's really flipped. About 10 years ago, it was a joke if Ohio State gets in, the, like, a big game in the postseason. Because it's like, oh, they you know they always take care of business in the regular season and they suck in the bowl games. And I feel like that's flipped a little bit. It's like everybody has us penciled in right now but i i don't think we're that good honestly right yeah that's true the big 10 is really down this year yeah we're bad we're really bad uh all right brian uh you're listening by the way in case you didn't know to radio free brooklyn independent listener supported radio so brian the New York Giants are in first place in the <laughs> NFC East. Right. We root for a first place team. First place football team. Yeah. Undisputed, too. I don't want to hear about any ties with Washington. We've already beaten them twice. They're That's already true. dispensed with. We are in first place alone. Right. That's true. We are. I agree. I like the term undisputed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anyone who wants to dispute it, I'm coming for you. Yeah. And coming off you know, a scintillating victory against a a feisty Cincinnati Bengals team. Um, You know, I don't know what your thoughts on that game were. Like, it's really a bummer that what happened in that game, which was Daniel Jones going down and getting hurt because it, it just, you know, he played. I thought he played the best half that he's played maybe in his career. I thought he looked really good. Um, I was really getting excited about him. I thought the Giants really dominated that game, even though it ended up close. And him going down was a big part of that. And so you left that game with kind of like this weird feeling because they almost, I mean, they, they, they did blow the game. Like they, special teams were awful, which I'm sure made Joe Judge furious. Um, kick return for a touchdown, a fake punt they let up, and the punt return that put, put the Bengals in a great field position towards the end of the game looked like, oh, my God, are we going to actually lose this game? <laughs> and then they make the big play to get a fumble and win it. And I don't know, I'm, like, torn in this in this place where pe- I, people are getting excited about the Giants being in first place. We've well, won three straight. And I was right there feeling that excitement. And I was excited to see what was going to happen in these next few games. But now with Daniel Jones hurt, we're not going to get to see it necessarily right away. I mean, I don't know how hurt he is. It sounds like he's maybe going to be okay. But, like, now I'm, like I'm kind of in that place where you normally are of, like, people are getting so excited. I'm like, get take it easy. You know, like, <laughs> we beat the Washington, who stinks. We beat the Eagles, who are terrible. Yeah. And we beat the Bengals without Joe Burrow. And 
what's his face? Brandon Allen was horrendous in the game, you know? And, like, we won it by the skin of our teeth. Now our quarterback is hurt. And, you know, the only thing that did make you – it did make you appreciate Daniel Jones because of how horrible it, it suddenly was when he was gone. And yeah. you were like, oh, my God. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know, you know? Like, I don't know where to, what to really think, you know? Yeah, I think that – and that's true. That's usually the thinking that I have. I'm just right now in a place of I can't I can't accept any outcome other than NFC East champions at this point. We've come too far. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're too deep in the hole now. We have to come out the other side. We can't turn back now. It's too late. Uh, so we have to. And so I am allowing myself to get excited. And I do think that, yeah, Daniel Jones getting injured, it might be the best thing for at least for my attitude towards him because we were horrendous when he wasn't in there. Right. And um, it was jarring, right, how you were like – when he left, it was like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. oh, right. Like, we have no one – like, there's nothing here. Like, yeah, he is a big part of the reason that anything happens on offense. Yeah. You know, like – <laughs> yeah. So at least it's very silver lining is new appreciation for Daniel right. Jones. But it, I I agree with you. I think that the biggest disappointment is just watching last night like with, you know, Seattle against the Eagles is I do sort of feel like with Daniel Jones, that was a winnable game. I would have loved to see what that was going to end up looking like. Yeah. Cuz they're awful on defense. Right, and our defense is really coming on. You yeah, know? I mean, look, I mean, the Bengals were toothless, but we shut them down completely, except yeah. for the one drive when we played a little soft. Yeah. Um, but we, you know, and then made the big play we had to make, got the fumble. So yeah, I was excited, and I'm, I was, you know, starting to look ahead at Cardinals and the Browns, and and those are good teams, but suddenly feeling like, hey, maybe we could beat them. Um. So, and I guess I still am. I just you know, how would you t- handle this with Daniel Jones? Like, I, I assuming that he sh- probably should not play this week or like, would you just take it off the table or if he could go, would you give it a shot? No, I would take it totally off the table. Let him sit, let him rest, let him, let him get help. I, cause remember I said it was a, about maybe two weeks ago that, that I think Cleveland is the key to the NFC East and they've right. already taken care of the first, the first leg of Cleveland's assignment was to beat Philly. Now, if we can beat them, then I think that's it. I think that will be enough to get us. Oh, and then, of course, we'll, I, we'll, we, it's possible we'll have to beat Dallas in the final week of the season, although they were hot garbage on Thanksgiving. Right. Yeah, they were awful. I mean, that was delightful, honestly. <laughs> that, that, was, was... that was a miraculously bad performance by the Cowboys. <laughs> because I was getting ready, actually, for sort of the Cowboys to maybe take care of business against Washington, and they, you know – they got a pretty easy schedule to close out the season. So I was getting ready for a lot of Cowboys buzz and, and to get start to get nervous about it and start to get even angry about it. I was already kind of angry about it, to be honest with you. I'm an emotional yeah. person, and I was yeah. quite <laughs> upset about Dallas. And then just they got their asses kicked. Like, right. Oh, it was right. beautiful. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It was a, it was a humiliating performance uh, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm in the same place. Like, I, I guess I'm just I because I've heard I've seen a lot of people kind of speculating that the Giants should just hold Daniel Jones until Cleveland, and I guess I see that, but there is like part of me that's like, 
you know, I know the goal. I know it's like you win the division, you get to go to the playoffs. So that's kind of all you should be concerning yourself with. But like, there is part of me that would like to win some of these games. Like, I would rather win the division and actually look good doing it. Like, I would like to to beat maybe the Seahawks or the Cardinals and the Browns and then go in and actually win this division convincingly where we get to seven and nine and look pretty good. And then you don't feel like you feel something about it. Um, but I guess the team can't take that view. Like for, they have to just take up the view. Like, look, we have to pr- make sure this guy doesn't injure this worse. Um, and then win the division is still the ultimate goal because that gets you to the playoffs. You can't really worry about that other stuff. But you, you know what I mean? Like, there's just part of me that doesn't want to go six and ten and win this stupid division that way, where the only we only beat the Browns, and I don't know what have we what have we actually accomplished here? No, you're absolutely right. I just think I would. I mean, it's just nothing you could do. Daniel Jones is hurt. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I mean. I would just rather secure the division and he he'll look, he'll still get an opportunity to go up against um, Arizona and Baltimore in that stretch. So it's not as though we won't see him against a good team. That's true. We still have Baltimore. So I guess you, even if you had to skip Arizona, there's still the Ravens Browns. Yeah. Ravens Browns. And then, and then look, if I know Dallas isn't good, but it's still a take care of business situation. Where right. we probably still will have to win that game to take the division, I think. Or it's not off the table. So, no, I think we have to win that game. I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, it would be nice to see him in a proven spot. I-, I think there's plenty of opportunity left. I hear what you're saying, but I still think there's opportunities to see him against a good team. Um, yeah, because, I mean, it's like we've been talking about this whole season. is about evaluating this guy. And, like, we're finally starting to see it. And I was feeling pretty damn good about what I saw in that first half and through three quarters against the Bengals. But, you know, we're also not there yet, you know, and I think that's with everything with the Giants. Like, there's a lot of this, like, three in a row, you know. It's like, guys, we're like, we've gotten to this place where now we can learn something about all these people. But we haven't already learned it. And I just want to make sure that I just hope we get to, you know, would just be like, if him to, like, if he doesn't play again, Daniel Jones, if this injury lingered, you know, then we're a God, what a disaster, you know, then we got to start off next year and we just have like a mediocre pick and, um, you know, we're still million questions as we start the year, which is fine, but you know, no, I'm, I'm right there with you, especially on the people who are excited about us winning three in a row. I mean, it's Washington, (laughs) Philly and, and, uh, uh, the Bengals. Cincinnati against their backup quarterback. Right? You know I mean, <laughs> the they bundles. were horrible. They couldn't have looked worse. Know. You know, like, hey. and we kind of, you know, we were really sloppy. Yeah, like we should have won. We outgained them four to one. We should have. We should have won that game by three touchdowns. You know, but we didn't because of a lot of nonsense. Yeah. Um. I and so yeah, three in a row. People just sit down. Let the adults <laughs> talk. But right. I, I will say. <laughs> I, I ended up watching the game this Sunday. Uh, we went to um, a, a, you know, a friend of Haley's, and now by extension, we're friends with, with this girl's parents, but as uh, my daughter. Uh, in, the back, in their backyard, they have a bouncy house that they can inflate, and they live in, nearby here in Brooklyn. So we went to their backyard the other day, and they had a nice little TV set up out there. It was, it was nice. So that's where I watched the game. And 
this girl's dad is a friend of mine now. He's a, he's from Philly, so he's an Eagles fan. And it was really interesting. First of all, good guy. Had no problem. He definitely wasn't rooting against the Giants in the game, which is important because I think there's a couple kinds of people in this world. Because uh, I remember years ago, you described your dad this way. Shout out, Mr. Domena. How you doing? <laughs> um, but, you know, your dad is is the type of guy like, Oh, who are you rooting for? Let's let's root with him, you know. Like let's, right, right. You know, we're with you. And I, you know, I don't know if you you would know better than me. I don't know if your dad would would be able to stomach doing it for another NFC East team, even if the Giants weren't involved. But this guy was being a good guy, and and he was you know rooting along with me for the Giants. But it was funny to watch Daniel Jones through the eyes of an NFC East rival, because now. You know, Carson Wentz aside, because we had a, him and I had a whole discussion on Carson Wentz, and he goes, you know, but not even I'm not even comparing Daniel Jones to Carson Wentz. I would just be psyched if I were you. Like, he's good. Yeah, you know, yeah. like he said, like, he's accurate. He could throw guys open. You know, like, I feel like because the Giants haven't had an athletic quarterback in a while, it's his ability to run that gets talked about the most or from what you see from the outside. He's a good quarterback. And so it was kind of <laughs> nice to hear yeah, that yeah. from, an, you know, an Eagles fan. Right, that is true. Who'd watched him from the the opposite vantage point? Yeah, like yeah. I mean, I thought Daniel Jones that was the best I've seen him look. Like just from decisive, made some really good looking throws, and and that game, you know, could have even been so much better if Slayton catches that ball it was like a sixty yard bomb, um, would have been a touchdown. Um, you know, Ingram fumble that would have been a touchdown drive. Like I just thought he looked so much more comfortable. Um, and I do think it's stuff like his arm that I think doesn't get as much credit as he does. Like he's got a pretty big arm. It's not, uh, that's not a question mark at all. You know, like, yeah. um, not only is it not, not strong. I think he, I think it's a plus, like, I think it's an above average arm for NF for the NFL. Like, I, I don't think there's guys who could make that throw he made yeah. to Slayton down the sideline. And he um, was moving so much better too. Like so much pressure. better. He just looks so much more confident. Yeah. 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 Um, can we talk about Evan Ingram? Yes. Because I don't like him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no. I know he's good, and I know he does things that we don't, you know, other guys on our team can't do. And Yeah, yeah. But I don't like him. I know. I want to like him. Me like, too. I, every time he makes a play, you are like, why can't we do stuff like this all the time? You know, yeah. like when he catches that ball and he just beats a guy down the field, you're like, why is this not? like a significant part of our offense. Um, and then every time too, something goes wrong uh, when they show him, I want, I, it's like, I want to, I, I don't want to be as angry at him as I am. Yeah. And then I end up feeling angrier because I'm still <laughs> angry. Like it doesn't, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, everything you hear about him, he's a good guy. He yeah. wants to be good. And like, he works hard and you've seen some improvements. Supposedly he's made some headway as a blocker and things like that. But like, I don't know. Yeah. It just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. And every year it's like the preseason buzz is Evan Ingram is going to boys guys got a lot of talent. <laughs> <laughs> and then it is like, he's not really a factor at all. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to make of him. I'm still part of me is holding out hope, but you just feel like if we got rid of him, he would, you know, he'd go to Kansas City and oh like... god, I know, <laughs> or New Orleans or somewhere, right, where right, somewhere and be unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, we'd be like, what happened? Uh, it'd be uh, brutal. Yeah. So I was listening to uh, 
Ryan Rosillo's podcast today, and I'm Jonathan Vilma, and Jonathan Vilma was kind of just talking about, uh, you know, what what a good team looks like, what a bad team looks like, how you can tell kind of the difference, you know, these sorts of things. Um, but it, it got me thinking about uh, Mark Colombo as this was our, our you know, and, and if you, I was also seeing a lot of tweets and Instagram posts about how, you know, now that Colombo has gone, we didn't allow a single sack. And again, who did we play? Like, right, right. Come on. I don't, yeah, I don't think that the Pittsburgh game would have gone a whole lot different if we'd have played it, you know. <laughs> right. But, you know, I know that I, I, apparently, you know, Colombo stood up for uh, Andrew Thomas when he was getting ripped by Joe Judge in a film session, and I know that they said Colombo was fairly popular with the offensive lineman. You know what? Mark Colombo stunk. Because why was Andrew Thomas so bad for that many weeks? Right. You know? And because one of the things Jonathan Vilma was saying is if you look at guys and they seem to not know what they're doing or they're, you know, they're good players and they're not playing well at all. It's probably because they're a step slow because they're confused because they don't exactly know what their assignment is, which means they're not being taught properly. And that makes sense. And that sounds right to me. And that probably explains a decent amount about why the most NFL-ready left tackle to come out of this draft was the worst through so many games into the season. Yeah, and he looked like that. I mean, that's what he looked like. He looked like a guy thinking out there who was like, what the hell am I supposed to do? I've, like, totally forgotten how to – like, I feel like I don't know how to play this position anymore. Yes. Um, Yeah, so I I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. You know, I did hear some, like, counter reports this week that there was being too much made of Joe Judge – spending time with the offensive linemen and the impact of that. And, you know, it's just funny, like who's, where's that coming from and who's trying to get that out there. Right. um, So I don't know. I don't know what to make of that, but I mean, I agree with you. I mean, the offensive line was really struggling. There was tension between (laughs) the head coach and the offensive line coach and the offensive line has started to improve. I don't know. I don't know what to, you know, who to give credit or blame to, but I certainly don't care that Mark Lomo is not, <laughs> is not a Giants coach anymore. Right. Um, you know, I'm sure that's, it's difficult. You know, I hate to see anybody lose a job, but. Um, I'm In this case, I'm all right with it. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay with this. I don't yeah. like him. Right. He's, he's going to be, he'll be fine. Yeah. He's an idiot. Uh, all right. So good riddance to him. Brian, Radio Free Brooklyn's mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, and free expression. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. Every dollar helps us stay on the air, support independent community media by pledging whatever you can. All contributions are tax-deductible to the fullest extent of the law. Please support with a monthly pledge or one-time donation at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. Is Leonard Williams the best player on the team? He's definitely the best player on the defense. (laughs) (laughs) He is an essential building block of this New York Giants franchise right now. Without question, he is irreplaceable and (laughs) must be kept probably at all costs. At any price. Yeah. (laughs) And we are dumb and Dave Gettleman is smart. And, you know, that's obviously the way things are, unfortunately. (laughs) Well, hold on. That trade is still ludicrous. Why? He gave up a third-round pick to get a guy who's the dominant 
defensive lineman. <laughs> because we could have gotten him. Regardless. Yeah, but now we got him in the building. We got to keep him. It made it easier to keep him because we could use this tag on uh, him. The franchise. And now so. we're going to be in the driver's seat as far as re-signing him. Who knows if he was on the open market where he goes. All right, fine. Get him in the building. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Get him in the building. <laughs> no, I mean, I still think the process is flawed, but it's like it's it is amazing how well he's played. Yeah. Like he's been he's been so good. Yeah. <laughs> he is awesome. He's amazing. He's so important. He makes two or three key plays a game. Like he always seems to make the critical defensive play. And uh, just I mean, routinely on running plays, he is a problem. Yeah. Yeah, and he's and it's the same thing. If he went down suddenly, You'd be like, oh my, uh, oh my God! You yeah, know, what are we, what are we going to do without? <laughs> <laughs> right, and not like, uh, I don't know, who, who are some players in the past that we've lost? Oh no, it's actually, uh, this is when I was coaching. I uh, we had a particular season where there was just all kinds of craziness, like different illnesses, injuries academic issues just a very bizarre season with a very bizarre team and there was a kid who'd never played football before and wasn't necessarily super athletic and at camp I was just like oh boy and we hit a point in our season where at practice it looked like he got rolled up on and I I couldn't breathe for like a couple seconds and then when he (laughs) got up and was okay and you know me and the assistants were laughing I was like I had a I had a couple moments there I won't say the kid's name he's a great kid but I had this moment we'll, we'll just call him Scott but I was like, where I was thinking to myself, oh, my God, if Scott is hurt, we are in trouble. And I say, if, I, if I'd have told myself in August that that's something I would think to myself in October, right. I would be like, what happened to this right, team? Right, right. You know? Yeah, you never know. You know, the Giants have a lot of interesting decisions on defense they're going to have to make between Leonard Williams, Dalvin Tomlinson. And I even think, like, Logan Ryan is becoming a guy where he's yes. only here on, I think, a one-year deal. And I'd be really hesitant to let him leave the building. Like, he's become, to me, kind of an essential guy. He kind of feels like the entrail role of this of this this Giants team. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they have Xavier McKinney, who they're going to try to bring along. So I don't know what the future is for him on, on our team. But, um, I, you know, it'd be hard to see him leave. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, we have to keep him. And, and this is what I'm so excited about Cleveland for. Because I do think that we are very well constructed to to beat them. Yeah. You know, really good run defense. You know who else is playing very well on the defense? Jabril who, Peppers. He is. He is. He is playing really well. He is. He's a right nightmare. Now, if Cleveland offered you Odell Beckham Jr. for Dexter Lawrence and Jabril Peppers... Would you make that trade? <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know. It'd be a tough yeah, call. It would be, be a, a tough, tough call. call. It would yeah. be. It would be. On the other hand, you know, it's not a no-brainer. It's still, we, you know, I mean, let's say, assuming Odell wasn't with a torn ACL. Um, right. He changes things. If he was healthy and productive, it would It would be, a, you know, that that's still something we desperately need, too. And what would uh, Odell be like under Joe Judge's tutelage? Right, under a genius like Joe Jazz. <laughs> <laughs> well, because we've talked about this, you know, offline many times. But to me, what I, what made me always want to stick up for Odell a lot was just the, the way that you could tell Coughlin liked him. Yeah, for sure. So that made him, 
I don't know. Just it made his ant. It just painted. It just put his antics in a different light to me. No, for sure. He went to bat for him like super hard. Um, yeah, you know, a million times. Like he really felt strongly about it. Um, so I agree. I think I, Joe I Judge. still love Odell. I miss him. I thought he was great fun. Me too. Me too. Even though he disgustingly <laughs> mimicked a dog urinating <laughs> in the end zone. <laughs> Like an animal, <laughs> which was appalling and grotesque. <laughs> uh, just unbelievable. There are people, there are people in this world who hold, who hold Odell Beckham Jr. to a higher standard than the president of the United uh, States of America. I never understand why that one in particular was so, I mean, it was weird. I thought it was weird. I thought it was odd. Yeah. It was a, it was a weird thing to do. <laughs> But it wasn't. I wasn't like you know. I didn't hide my child's eyes. Right. Don't look at that. <laughs> it's disgusting. <laughs> it's like all right. It's a stupid thing to do. Whatever. It probably would have been it. worse if he mimicked a human peeing than a dog. Right. Yeah. I, I I don't get it. I still don't get what it was. What it was. But I also don't get why it ruffled so many feathers. Yeah. Well, anyway. Yeah. I don't know. Move off of that. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. This is the Giants Among Men podcast. Your support keeps us going. All right. Anything else on the Giants now, Brian? No, I think we're good. We have a first place team, you know, rolling towards uh, a Super Bowl. Yeah. So now we have that established. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to the silly stuff. Yeah. So, uh, Nate Robinson <laughs> he had a tough weekend. He did. Oh, man. He really did. Yeah. Boxing's a cruel mistress. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was shocked. I was. I don't know why I was so shocked. I don't know anything about the guy he fought. He's a YouTuber. He seems like a, a very terrible human being. <laughs> um, I was just shocked. Like, you know, you just. I just usually think my air on the side of regular people have no idea what how athletic professional athletes are. So I would just assume that Nate Robinson's speed and athleticism and strength would just overwhelm a regular human. Um, but I guess Jake Paul has an athletic background and has actually done some legitimate boxing training. He's been fighting for not an insubstantial amount of time. Right. So, and <laughs> man, just a brutal, you know, I, so I, I'm not a boxer. By any stretch, the only boxing I've ever done is in with my brother. <laughs> Put on some gloves. I will. The only thing I will say, as you know, my brother is a very large human being. Oh yeah, and, an exceptional athlete. So I have, and we boxed. It was not play. We we boxed. I took <laughs> genuine punishment in these fights. <laughs> and I will say that Nate Robinson made a mistake that is a very classic mistake for people who are not, who are, you know, it's scary boxing. You're worried about getting punched in your face because <laughs> it hurts and te terrible things can happen like what happened to him. But he made the mistake of there's a tendency when you're feeling that fear to be more aggressive and run at the guy. And that's, you don't need to do that at all. You know, it's like much better to be patient and yeah see what the person is going to do and you don't want to just race in there 
you know, because you he's not protecting himself, and it's actually, and especially against a guy who is a more comfortable fighter, has more experience, because all he has to do is like know, feel that confidence and that comfort, and just pick you off, and that's like exactly what happened. Yeah, yeah, and, and man, man, did he knock him out? <laughs> oh, and boy, I really feel bad for Nate Robinson because that is was humiliating, oh, and I, it just God, the entire internet was laughing. I did. There was somebody who tweeted that he's like, have you ever I've, he's like, I've been looking for an example of something that seems racist, but isn't. And, it, and he just showed the picture of Jake Paul or whatever his name is with his hands in the air and Nate Robinson flat on his face. And it's like, yeah, there was something that felt racist about the entire event, yeah. but it really wasn't, you right. know, I don't think, but like, it seemed like it, like something wasn't right about it, you know? Right. And I think Jake Paul, I mean, I could be wrong. I don't know a ton about Jake Paul, but I think he's a, like a terrible guy. But I also, it's not because he's racist. So, so but it seems like maybe he is. Right. He isn't, like, I don't should think. be. Right. <laughs> right. Right. If there's like an N-word tape that like leaks of him, it wouldn't shock me. But I don't think there has. Like, it's not a known thing about him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Poor, poor guy. God. It was just... It was just, I mean, have you ever seen anybody just fall that flat on their face uh, out cold? I know, I know. And athlete Twitter was insufferable, too. Like, oh, I want to fight Jake Paul now. I want right, to fight right. Jake Paul. Like, stop. Like, right. you know, no one's saying, whatever, you can't fight Jake Paul. Or, yeah. you know, but give it to Jake Paul. Because right. he clocked he deserves- him. Yeah, he's a pretty good athlete. He clearly, I wouldn't fight Jake Paul. No way. Like, <laughs> no, I'm not getting in there. So, yeah, you know, tip, tip of the cap. Yeah. <laughs> I just is like, what an event, like, what the hell was this entire event? How did yeah. this, like, happen? It was very this, strange. The undercard for Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Tyson shouldn't have, I, I didn't really see that fight. I don't really know. Anything, but I know it ended in a draw, but I just feel like Mike Tyson shouldn't have fought anyone and he should have just trained and posted short Instagram videos of himself training. That's all he needed to do. That's true, because those are very impressive. And awesome. Great. Yeah. 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 And nostalgic and all that stuff. But then fighting probably was a little sad. I, from what I heard, it was actually better than you would have thought. I didn't watch any of it either, but the people, even people who were very cynical about the whole event, were like it was actually pretty entertaining. They both looked okay. Um, it, it's a weird matchup because, um, yeah. like in his prime, you would never put those two together. It'd be dangerous for Roy Jones Jr. Um, it's amazing though. Tyson, just the lure of Tyson, gets eyeballs. You know, everybody like you just can't forget what it was like when he was at the peak of his powers. Yeah, and we're all chasing it. And you know, he got knocked out in Tokyo by Buster Douglas, and then went to prison and never came back and we've yeah. all been chasing that high for because <laughs> it was just there was nothing like it he was so terrifying he just went through people like it was just unbelievable the way he knocked guys out yeah he won fights coming out of the tunnel oh my god he and then it was, it was even scarier that he then had this weird childish voice you know just like, oh, man, talk about. Yeah. you know it was like oh my what is wrong with this guy <laughs> i just want to kill him it was like, oh my god, there's something just horrible about it. Um, you know, it's funny. I was actually watching over the weekend because I'm a weirdo. 
I watched the first Riddick Bowe Evander Holyfield fight on YouTube because that's like one of my favorite fights of all time. Oh, it's on YouTube. The whole fight. Yeah. Oh, awesome. And it's a great fight. And that whole era, like it's just boxing the way it's so poorly run because it doesn't have like a structure and you just have these promoters and they're corrupt. And I mean, you had at one time, you had Mike Tyson, Lennox Lewis, Riddick Bowe, Evander Holyfield, all in their primes at the same time. And almost none of them ever actually fought when they were all in their prime. The only two who fought where they were both actually at the peak of their powers were Bo and Holyfield. And they're three of the best fights in the history of boxing. Yeah. You never saw Lennox Lewis fight Riddick Bo, which is a disgrace. When by the time he fought Holyfield, Holyfield had been through a million wars and you know, it wasn't the same by the time Evander Holyfield fought Mike Tyson, he was a shell of himself and they were certainly entertaining, but they were (laughs) disgraces to sports. (laughs) And when Lennox Lewis fought Tyson, Tyson was like a husk. Yeah. And and it's just, it's unbelievable. That, that you could... is so true. What a missed opportunity where, what, what prevented a lot of that? Was it just the, the corruption of the promoters? Yes, or? It's just the promoters not getting together. You can't make the deal. And then they're all worried about losing because, you know, that affects the other fights that they can get. So they're really cautious and you just never get, you know, but is that one of those things, too, where the thinking on it was outdated? Because, you know, like, say Tyson, prior to all his personal troubles, loses to Holyfield, right? Then does that mean that 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 Riddick Bowe would not have fought Mike Tyson? You know, of course not. You'll still get the fights with each other. Those just four names alone. They could have just rotated amongst each other forever. It's definitely, like, stupid thinking. Like, it's it's whatever is driving that is makes no sense right obviously they'll all make more money if they put together all of these really compelling fights yeah and that's the point but i yeah i don't know you know what what really drives those decisions and the contracts and you know it's also that you have the networks so the the boxers will sign a contract with showtime the other one has one with hbo and then they don't want to fight they can't work that out like it's the money it's a million different things but it's yeah it's you would have it's thought the, the networks would have been the ones to step in and try and clean it up because they would have the, they would have benefited the most. You'd think, right? You would think, yeah. The yeah. cable operators, somebody should have made it happen. It yeah. is like it's such a shame. I was in your basement for the infamous earbite. Really? Yeah. You watched it together? Well, it was yeah, it was all of us, and I think maybe even like Tom had people over too. I think there was a lot of people yeah. there. That was unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that I mean, boxing used to be so insane. I remember when um, in the second or the third Holyfield bow fight that that guy Fan Man showed up and that's he right. Came in on a, <laughs> and then there was a brawl in the center of the ring and it was chaos. Yeah. You know? And then you had uh, the time Andrew Galata fought Riddick Bow and he kept punching him in the balls for no reason. Right. And then that ended in a brawl. It was like <laughs> heavyweight boxing used to be just something else. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. That is that's probably the saddest thing to be gone. Yeah, and even there's a couple guys now, but it's not the same, and there's not the talent there. Yeah, um, it's not like it was. No, no. Um. All right, let me do another ad read here, real quick. Uh, if you'd like to listen to Radio Free Brooklyn when you're not in front of your computer, like myself when I listen to the Giants Among Men podcast at 6 a.m. on Thursdays. Please consider downloading our free mobile app for iPhone and Android, available in the App Store for iPhone or the Google Play Store for Android. 
So, Brian, uh, you know, we probably should have done this when we did college football earlier in the uh, in the podcast. But what did you think of Sarah Fuller? <laughs> well, I'm glad you're humoring me on this because I have I just I I don't. I don't even want to say what I'm what my what I'm going to say or I, I want to be on the other side of this and I want to so I'm going to preface this by saying I think it's wonderful. I think it's great and it's a great moment for women's athletics and I think it's great <laughs> and I hope it leads to other such moments and I think women's sports have not gotten the resources and respect they deserve for way too long. And, you know, there's lots of people on Twitter and in the NBA Twitterverse who pretend to like women's basketball and I support them. I think that's a great thing that they're doing, pretending that they enjoy watching that. <laughs> great. I really do. And I'll say I had a, I'm a father of daughter and I was trying to get her into golf a few years ago and was having her watch the Masters. And I confessed shamedly was the first time it had ever dawned on me that there's not a female women's masters and that it's that's absurd and disgraceful. And I've never even heard anybody suggest there should be. And like, yeah, it's when you're trying to get a child into the game and there's no women's, there's no, they have no entry into the most prestigious event in that sport. It's really stinks. And it's yeah. like a terrible thing. And there absolutely should be. So I'm not one of these people who's against it. I don't think it's a problem that she was out there or that it shouldn't have happened or any of that are you a feminist i yes absolutely i'm a okay. feminist and i think it's wonderful but <laughs> i do think it would have been really great really cool <laughs> if she had also been good you know like it, <laughs> okay it was a little bit disappointing that when this big moment of this woman comes out there and she's showing the patriarchy and this is a trailblazing historic moment <laughs> if she didn't hit this little like squibbed like <laughs> just hoof it down there <laughs> this little squib to like the 35 yard line that was just like uh, i don't know it just would have been so cool if she like crushed one and it went all the way to the end zone yeah and that's true great. and that's they were true. saying that they want to get her a field goal opportunity, but they, you know, they didn't get a chance. And I think she's going to keep kicking for them, but that they were she saying in, in practice, she's been making, she made a 39 yarder, which is a prodigious kick. That's a very good kick. I couldn't make a 39 yard field goal, but that doesn't make you a division one kicker. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's just like, it just would have been cool. If she was <laughs> no. actually good, no. and it feels like fair to be like, you know, just saying, I'm not, I'm just <laughs> pointing out <laughs> that she wasn't actually any good. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, it's, it just seems too bad that that's the case. I don't know. No, that's that's a hundred percent fair. First of all. That wasn't where I thought you were going with that. When you first started, I thought you were going to say, like, it would have been cool to see her take a real hit to see if she oh, really no. was a football player. So no, I was right. like, is that what She actually looks like she could take a hit. She was very yeah. strong and formidable. Yeah. Uh, no, but it's a totally fair point because, like, again, one of the things about Jackie Robinson was that he was awesome. Right. If he'd have just been, like, fine to not very good i don't know that he would be
be this cultural icon that, you know, the, the Mets named a thing after him, even though he never played for the Mets. But, like, so, you know, obviously when these barriers are broken, you want it to be somebody who's awesome. Well, it's just also, like, it's just, like, at any moment, <laughs> we could have put a bad female kicker out on the field. Right. <laughs> right. No shortage nothing, of people that are bad at a lot of things. Right. There's nothing in the rules preventing somebody from going into a football game and performing poorly. Like, and there was no rule like, that said this couldn't happen. And, and like, I'm, I like, it doesn't seem like crazy to me that there is a woman out there who could kick. Yeah. A division one, like, or at least close level. Like I'm not like, that doesn't blow that doesn't blow my mind like i feel like that should be possible right uh and so i'm not even i'm not really saying anything like i'm not, I'm not critical of it i don't think that's like so it's not fair she didn't earn it like i think it's really cool she was willing to do it interested in doing it i hope she continues doing it improves gets better at it i hope this is the start of maybe there will be 20 years from now maybe there's a dozen division one women's kickers like i think it's great and all to the good it just was like when the moment actually arrived and it was just this little like bloop <laughs> yeah, i just wish she crushed one and you're like oh she's awesome yeah and then it's like you're like you know she's making 39 yarders and you're like oh okay that's, oh, that's nice. below average <laughs> <laughs> That's a routine kick at the Division One level, and actually, like a D one team whose kicker can't make one over forty yards would seem to me to be a bit of a problem. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that was just my. I just it's like it's hard not to notice that, or just be like, can I notice that? Am I allowed to just say it? I don't know. It just seems like a fair observation. <laughs> no, it's a totally fair observation too. I mean, it's just, it's like, what's funny is what makes that observation even potentially problematic is that the problem is that there's too many people who have a problem with it. I don't understand what anyone's problem is with it. Like, what is the downside? If you're upset by it, what what's upsetting you? Right, right. I know. And I totally get that. Like, it's so annoying how many people, and like, there were so many people quick to kind of jump on the, that kick and be like, which was clearly like planned. She clearly was meant, asked, yeah. asked to execute a squib kick. She yeah. didn't just kick it terribly. In fact, she executed it properly. Right. Um. So, yeah. And it doesn't make me angry. And I, again, I'm not like, she's got to earn it. Go out. This, it was cool. I think it's cool. I hope she keeps doing it and makes field goals and drills them through the uprights. And just was like, it would have been cooler if she crushed one. <laughs> she was really good. <laughs> so for, a, for a touchback and was like a, a division one caliber kicker, yeah. which it seems to me, it seems like it should be possible. Like it is surprising that you wouldn't be able to find um, a, a female capable of making like a 45 yard field. I think that Carly Lloyd, who they were talking about, I remember this was like a thing in the NFL. She wanted, she had like done some practices with an NFL team. I think she was drilling some like pretty long field goals, if I right? remember. Yeah, yeah, no, it shouldn't be too surprising. I don't think that that's, you know, not like O line or anything. We're actually about out of time, so we're going to cut it off now. Uh, RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. See you soon.